Okay, what I'm gonna do is another review session and I'm gonna try to finish unit one um, and we're gonna cover topic 1.3 to 1.7. So remember, have your articulation guide out. Um, if you need the digital copy, remember, go to AP Geography College Board, uh, download the PDF and unit one starts on page 33. All right, so let's look at topic 1.3. Um, the learning objective, explain the geographical effects of decisions made using geographical information. And according to the College Board, this is what you absolutely need to know uh, under the essential knowledge. Geospatial and geographical data. Remember, data can be quantitative and qualitative data. So this is review. Uh, quantitative data can be measured and recorded using numbers. Um, so an example of that could be distribution of people by income or age. Um, it shows us formulas, computers, um, it's data that we can use to determine the where and the why. And then qualitative data is usually not represented by numbers. This includes interviews, document archives, descriptions, and vis uh, visual observation. Um, so you can ask people questions the way that they feel about Interstate 26 and Malfunction Junction and then you would get data from their, their feelings on it. Uh, and we know this with the best example of the census data, which is taken every 10 years. We can also use qualitative data with satellite imagery, and we can look at it at different scales. So a personal scale, a business, uh, and remember right before our schools closed, we talked about threshold and range and Kristaller's central place theory about where Chick-fil-A should build their next restaurant. Um, so that would be a good example of how a business can use different types of data to determine where to open up their next location and government decision-making processes. So think about as people move from the north, the Rust Belt, to the south, the Sun Belt, and the decisions that the government needs to do in order to accommodate the growth or decline. Let's do a real quick review on GPS, remote sensing, and then GIS. Remember, global positioning system, that's your absolute location using lines of latitude and longitude. Um, whether it's navigating ships, aircrafts, or cars, um, this is your exact location. Remote sensing is the use of cameras or other sensors mounted, mounted on aircraft or sat satellites to collect digital images of the Earth. Um, so government will use this. We can use it for monitoring the weather. And then the one that the College Board is really, really liking is the GIS. And remember that uh, keyword is layers. It's a computer system that stores, analyzes, displays information. We did it when we talked about gang boundaries between the Bloods and the Crips. We could talk about the pollution. We could talk about urban planning. And remember for GIS, that keyword is layers. All right, we're gonna go to 1.4. Uh, define major geographic concepts that illustrate spatial relationships and what you absolutely need to know for this uh, indicator. Spatial concepts include absolute and relative location, which we have talked about. Uh, it must include space, place, flows, distance decay, time-space compression, and then pattern. Remember, a pattern is a general arrangement of things. And then what we do is we look for the processes and patterns uh, throughout that repeated sequence of events. 
Um, and remember the two key words that we always look for is the where and the why. And then down the road, remember when we looked at how this kind of plays out, we talked about things like clustered, dispersed, linear, um, and we applied that to the land use patterns. Um, some other things I actually want to include with this is place. Remember, place, location, and region are all different. So place is that human and physical characteristic of a location. Um, let's actually start with location. Location is telling me where something's at. So let's use Chapin. You're telling me the exact or relative location of where Chapin is located. So 300 Columbia Avenue, you could give me the lines of latitude and longitude. You could say it's down the street from Bojangles. That's all location. But then when you talk to me about place, you would refer to Chapin as a school. Um, you would refer to it as a place where kids come together for events, uh, athletic activities. You're describing what is at that location. And then we can go into region, which is actually further down in the articulation guide. So I'm gonna wait a minute on that. Um, but the two key words there are distance decay and the time-space compression. Remember for distance decay, I use the example of somebody farting in class and the College Board uses it with Hurricane Katrina. The closer you are to something, the more impact it's gonna have on you. So if you sit next to a kid in class who farts, you're gonna smell it first. Whereas me or the kid on the other side of the room, uh, hopefully the smell and the sound has kind of weakened by the time it gets to you. College Board did it with an FRQ with Katrina. If you were close to the city of New Orleans, you had a direct impact. And then as you moved further away from New Orleans, you didn't feel the effects of the hurricane as much. And then the one, um, actually we could add two more vocab terms to that. We could talk about distance and then we could talk about proximity. Distance is how far you are. It's part of that spatial approach. It's a measurement, whereas proximity is the degree of nearness. So how close are you to something? And then time-space compression is that the idea that time and distance really doesn't matter anymore because of improvements in transportation and communication. Um, that if I needed to get in contact with you, I can send you an email. It doesn't matter that you're in Chapin and I'm in Lexington. Uh, distance and time really doesn't matter anymore. All right, we're going on to 1.5. Uh, these are the ones with the two uh, big theories on human environment interaction. Also, it's the first time we see the word sustainability. Um, remember on the College Board exam, if you see something about sustainability, something about natural resources, I want you to pick that answer. The College Board has given us clues that um, they're really into the environment and sustainability issues. So sustainability, can you continue what you are doing without any future harm down the road? And it is applied in every single unit. So population, can you continue to have that many babies and not be an issue with carrying capacity or resources? Remember when Malthus said that our food supply was going to out, um, we weren't gonna have enough food for our growing population. Um, and then you go down to 1.B.2, you have theories regarding the interaction of the natural environment with human societies have evolved from environmental determinism and possibilism. 
Okay, so we know right away that humans interact with their environment. It can be bad and it can be good. And we know that the environment interacts on us as well. I mean, look what's happening right now. And this can be positive and negative. So what we do is we learn how to adapt to the environment. And that is referred to as cultural ecology that our landforms, our climate, our physical features actually are really powerful forces on us. And it actually shapes our behavior and our development. And when you add those together, you get the theory of environmental determinism. And remember, the way I have you remember it is the environment determines your ability to adapt and develop. So you look at the environment and say that those are the strongest forces working on you with development and growth. Remember that theory was meant or has been kind of viewed as racist if you look at it from a global perspective. And then they came up with an idea called possibilism and think of the word possible that yes, there are limits on, on you depending on where you live. So like if you live in a desert, you have limits on what food you can grow. If you live in an area where it's super colder, uh, you can't grow food year round, that's going to limit your development. But we also need to focus on human culture and we need to focus on things that we can do to help our situation, uh, whether it's technology, investment. But remember, my argument is that you're always going to have to have money and a stable government in order to make that work. Um, so kind of keep that in mind. We're going on to 1.6 scale remember i told you i would shave my head if scale is not on the ap exam and it's going to be on the ap exam so 1.c.1 you have the scale of analysis and remember this is on your shower curtain project you have global regional national and local remember remember if you see map scale all you're doing is breaking it down what's the ratio so remember, we talked about zooming in, zooming out, blowing it up, kind of uh, taking a step back. That's not what they're going to care about. They're not going to care about that because that's something you learn in middle school. What they're going to give you is a scale of an analysis. So if we take infant mortality rate and we look at it from a global scale, you're going to see a, uh, a divide between more developed countries and then less developed countries. If we look at it from a national scale, the United States, you're gonna see it in the form of like the Northeast versus the Southeast, where the Northeast will have a lower infant mortality rate than the Southeast. If we do it at a local scale of analysis, we will look at South Carolina and we'll see that urban areas have a lower infant mortality rate than let's say uh, the rural areas or what we talked about like the corridor of shame in South Carolina. Remember, scale of analysis is the big, big term. So remember, scale is the ratio between the size of things in the real world and the size of those on the map. That is just map scale. And we saw a couple of questions about like cartographic scale, geographic scale, and the scale of data. But I want you to be more concerned about the data. I want you to be concerned about that analysis and how we interpret it. Um, and I think with the shower curtain, you guys will do that really, really well. And then the last one is a lot. It's all about that regions. So um, understanding regionalization and regions. Remember, regions are defined on the basis of one or more unifying characteristics or on patterns of activity. And that's 1.8.1. Remember, a region can be big, it can be small. 
so we could talk about it at a global perspective and say, okay, well, every continent, every country is a region because we're on Earth. And then you can zoom in on those different scales and say, okay, well, that's every country in North America. That's every country in Europe. We did this with Chapin High School. We could say that Chapin High School is a region and then we can actually break down Chapin High School into other regions. So like the math hall, the science hall, the social studies hall, um, places where kids are allowed and places where kids aren't allowed. So a region is you just have to have one thing in common. All right, so all of the homes in Timberlake, um, all of the schools in Lexington, Richland 5, all of the states in the United States of America, you just have to have one thing. And then we talked about the different types of regions. Remember, you have formal, functional, perceptual, vernacular. So you need to know those definitions. And remember formal, we use the example of going to a formal dance or a formal event. Um, also referred to as uniform, so kind of keep it that way too, that you have a clear-cut definition of what the region is. There's nothing there that's kind of like um, debatable. Uh, state lines are great about it because you have clear-cut boundaries. A functional region, remember the key word is a focal point or a node or a nodal region. Um, you have sometimes they're united by communication and transportation. We use the example of pizza. Remember with Marco's Pizza, when you go into Marco's uh, for each delivery, they have a circle around the map and they will only deliver in that area. If you are outside that area, you are outside of their functional region. Same thing with a newspaper or uh, a delivery route. Um, that is your route, that is your region, you are only going to deliver the paper there. We talked about this with Major League Baseball, the NBA, NFL, that when you look at the teams and their market area, that becomes a functional region. So um, where the Carolina Panthers have their market area, their fan base, that becomes the region. Um, we could talk about networks within there. We could talk about uh, the flow. Remember, we could talk about connectivity, proximity, and distance within that as well. And then the last one is the perceptual and vernacular. Um, and it differs from the other two because they're defined by informal, informal rules and boundaries. It's more about the sense of place. Um, so when we say like the South, where does the South technically start? Is it Virginia? Is it the Mason-Dixon line? Do you include Texas? Do you include Oklahoma? And everybody's opinion of that boundary will be different for the most part. Um, I said the example of a good place or a good neighborhood versus a high crime neighborhood. Like you, you kind of are iffy on whether or not you think or what you think could be different from what somebody else thinks. Um, and remember, we, we tie this into a mental map, um, something that you have created based on your own experience and knowledge of that area. So if somebody asks you, okay, what's the South, and you've been to Oklahoma, your mental map of the South may be different than somebody who's never been to Oklahoma and say, nope, I don't include that. Um, we go to 8.3. Regional boundaries are transitional and often contested and overlapping. And we'll get into that with the political when we got onto boundary disputes. 
um, and conflicts over boundaries. And the best example of that, remember, is the South China Sea. And remember the two words that the College Board added this year to the articulation guide, and that was choke point and shatter belt. Remember, remember choke point, the best example is the Strait of Hormuz. And then for the shatter belt, remember Eastern Europe. And then the last one, 8.4, geographers apply regional analysis. There's that keyword again, analysis at the local, national, and global scale. Um, so again, that word is coming back, the analysis, um, and to kind of be able to study the where and the why. Um, for the most part, that's it for unit one. Remember, unit one is kind of the foundation, a lot of vocab to then apply to the following units. Um, and I will start working with unit two soon. Um, keyword again, sustainability, uh, scale of analysis, and then we'll get into our first models with the DTM and the ETM in unit two.